Hello, friends, and welcome to the Friday Conversation. We are here. It's episode 102, and we're discussing one of my favorite topics with some of my favorite people. I mean, how can you go wrong? So we will be talking Grimdark today, and it's always a good time because we I don't think anyone can ever really agree what Grimdark is, and that's why it's fun to talk about. No one's ever wrong, so you can say whatever you want. <laughs> it doesn't matter. So we'll go down the line, and everybody can uh, introduce ourselves. Holly, will you start us off? Uh, I love going first. Um, <laughs> I, I'm Holly Tinsley, H.L. Tinsley. I write books that are allegedly grimdark, which is why I'm here to see if that is a correct analysis or not. Uh, and I'm looking forward to finally getting the answer to what grimdark actually is. Oh, maybe maybe the, all the secrets will be revealed today. Well, the the debate will will cease to exist. And uh, Joshua. Uh, I'm Joshua. I'm a grimdark uh, fanatic, and I'm a member of the Pace Chewing Forums. Nice. Glad you could join us. And uh, Susanna. I'm Susanna Machinario. I'm a writer, and I have a YouTube channel Glad you called make it. And Jose. Yeah, I am Jose. I am a reader, and I also run the Jose's Amazing Worlds YouTube channel, and I'm regularly also in the page to informs. And this episode won't be live until next Friday. We record a week early, but I just want to say you're killing it with all the interviews. I'm like, wow, doing a great job over there. Lots of, lots of great stuff. I honest to goodness don't know what I have done. It's all serendipity (laughs) and it it really is. And um, I have to say, you know, my wonderful co-host over there because Last one could have gone terribly, terribly wrong, and Susanna was there to save the day. And I'm hoping she'll be there as well in a couple of weeks' time when we have a double World Fantasy Award winner. Very nice. Yeah, keep, keep it up, and yeah, very exciting. exciting. So the, I, I, we're going to start off with what Grimdark means to us, and like we discussed, there's no right or wrong answer. Everyone has a different opinion, and that's why it's fun to talk about. So who wants to go first? <laughs> Can I propose Holly? She likes to go first. I heard so. Like, <laughs> yeah, I thought so. Yeah. What? What? Somehow I felt like I was going to get picked on here. I kind of saw this coming. Um, the answer <laughs> is, um, I don't know. And I write grimdark, so I feel like I should have an answer to this. Um, I think when it comes to grimdark, the best way I can describe how I feel about it is that it's a flavour. Hmm. as opposed to a genre. So Grimdark, I think most people, when they talk about it, talk, you know, they'll say Grimdark like they would say um, mystery or fantasy. They, they kind of segment it on its own, whereas I think that Grimdark is a additional flavour added into a number of different genres. Um, obviously, there are some that it works better for, so it plays very well into the fantasy genre. Um, I can't think of any kind of, grim, dark, cozy chocolate shop stories. I don't think that would work. Um, but I think it's a layer. It's an element that is layered over a genre that already exists. All right. Yeah. That's Who, wants to, who wants to go next? Yeah. <laughs> Zero preparation for that answer. Wow. So <laughs> that's the best you're going to get at the minute. I'd hate to be next. Brains for warming up. <laughs> Nobody. So I, I'll go. Uh, yeah. oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, dear. Fine. No, go, go. 
uh, Grimdark. Uh, well, I, I was first in, introduced to Grimdark years and years ago uh, by my husband because he loves 40k, and I don't play the game, but he made me read a few stuff. And this is so that that was my idea of Grimdark, and then shortly after, um, I mm. read uh, Joe Combis novels. Uh, which also marketed as Grimdark, which I thought was much better. Uh, and then that, that has been my idea of Grimdark. And these days, uh, everything is Grimdark, so I don't know if uh, the definition evolved or... Uh, I, I just... Well, I guess Grimdark is whatever people think it's grim and dark for them. And uh, <laughs> okay. that's fine. Some pretty hard-line answers so far. I like yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Steve, you were prepared, so. Yeah, well, <clears throat> I think I have some really unpopular opinions about what is and isn't grimdark or what is should, a good place to start, now? but we'll get into that later. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I have a couple of things written down. <laughs> so first, I think uh, one of the things is, uh, one of the major things about grimdark that I like is that there's consequences. So when somebody dies, they're dead. There's no, usually no magical thing that brings them back. Um, when someone makes a bad decision, they pay for it or someone else pays for it that they didn't intend to pay for. So there's always some kind of, whenever someone makes a mistake, there's a consequence for that mistake. So the decisions that are made have more weight to me because if it doesn't work out, then someone will pay for it. Uh, and I hate, I know some people hate this, this term, but morally great characters, I think it, they seem more like people than the typical hero villain. Everyone's kind of just trying to survive. So the, the lines are blurred with who's, who's right and who's wrong. You can also find yourself conflicted on who the villain may be and, and or who the hero is. The heroes do awful things because they might have to, to survive or to get to their goal. Uh, another one is uh, typically, I think for me anyway, I think lower fantasy is kind of go hand in hand with Grimdark. I think if you have kind of the high fantasy, it kind of takes away that element of the kind of grittiness that, that I like to, to see. But I think one of the things that I, that, that kind of brings me back to the genre is that we've seen someone overcome the odds and seen someone pick themselves up and, and achieve their goals or to survive when everything is stacked against them. I think it's, it's, um, it's, it's nice to see someone overcome and to succeed or to at least somewhat achieve their goals, even when everything looks very dark and they find a way to, to, to persevere. I think that's something that's a little bit, you know, it can be like hopeful in a way. And I don't think grim dark has to be hopeless. And I don't think it has to be, um, uh, nihilistic. I don't think Grimdark has to be nihilistic. I think some people, and again, there's no right or wrong answer just for me, but I think, um, for, I, so if something's not nihilistic, I don't necessarily think it's, it's not grimdark, at least for me, but nuts and bolts. That's where I'm coming from. Hmm. All right. That, that is, that is an amazing answer. I'll, I'll, I'll go I'm next. glad I went first. I think, I, I, I agree to a large extent with what Steve said about its low fantasy, I think, because I think Grimdark is a bit of um, sort of um, 
twist on the traditional fantasy genre, which was very much good versus evil and good prevails and this hopeful thing. So I, I agree on the low fantasy. I agree on the morally great characters. There's never a clear character to root for because there's neither good nor bad. And maybe someone you root for then does something really nasty and horrible. And I think that, so, so there's that. But I think I disagree with you, Steve. I think Grimdark has to be nihilistic. Um, it, it, mm. it, is, it, it, it is a not hope or a little hope sort of genre because if we remove that nihilism away, I think you could call many books grimdark, which are not. Just because horrible things happen to characters and there are consequences, that's not enough, because then you could argue that uh, Realm of the Underlings is grimdark, because it doesn't shy away from depicting some really horrible and brutal stuff that happens to characters, and I think everyone will balk at the idea that Robin Hood is a grimdark uh, author. So I think there is that kind of, if not nihilistic, cynical. And I think for me, mm. the epitome, well, I haven't read a lot of Grimdark, but I think if you want to get a flavor for it, Abercrombie, First Law Trilogy is the one I'm sure we'll unpick that later. Um, and quite possibly, Holly Tinsley's uh, Vanguard Chronicles is looking pretty grim and dark after the first book. I need to look in, into that because I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then I'm last. Great position to be in. Um, <laughs> I agree with parts of what everyone said because, like, like Steve said, there is no right or wrong answer. It's 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 a combination of of all those factors and. It, for me, it's it's the the basics of um, what is it setting, uh, circumstance, and subject. Like uh, Jose said about nihilism or, or cynicism, that is one of the settings that is needed for me to to find it grim uh, for for characters to be in, or or just downright awful. Uh, and then the subject could be dark, like. Uh, gore or or rape or everything that is so bad that a, that a person really uh, changes in a bad way because of it or struggles to deal with it in in, in a bad way um, and I love this um, subgenre for me for me it's a subgenre uh, the most because it puts people or characters in the most horrendous circumstances and you watch it play out psychologically what happens to them their their choices become more um extreme the more extreme the circumstances are which is very interesting to to read about like what would you do in that circumstance hmm. it, it brings out more of of a feeling positive or negative for me that makes it more enjoyable to read and more exciting to read because I'm, I'm more attracted to 
how how deep a character goes, the core of of him, will he break under under these circumstances, or or does he triumph? Like like Steve said, like can he evolve? Can he get out of this? And yeah, everything grimdark just screams at me like you haven't seen anything yet because every new uh, series I, I I read in that subgenre it's it's like oh my god I, I didn't think of this it's it's so wild uh how extreme or the other <laughs> way uh it goes sometimes um of course abercrombie's work uh is the one that everybody says oh you need to read this if you want to get in in, in grimdark i love his work but I disagree if you want to uh, just see what it's all about. I would say, um, I think the, they were mentioned, of course, they were mentioned. Uh, the Prince of Nothing and the Manifest Delusions are the two I'm going to go with to say to people like, you want to a taste of Grimdark and see that it's for you if you... It's not going to be like, oh, if you don't like these books, then it's not for you. They're just so extreme in on some level that they they find that line and just wave at it as it passes by. Like, okay, this is, this is too much for some people, which makes it the most grimdark for me. I, I hear the term dark fantasy a lot, and I, I wonder what everyone thinks is dark fantasy grimdark it is is it the same thing for everyone because i, I, I what's tend the difference to, to go with the dark stuff so grim is the, is the the circumstances but dark is is um horror more more like like i don't know um yeah gore uh seriously what why can't i think of anything anything horror there we go <laughs> That's for me. I I would agree with Joseph with that. I think um, just dark just means vampires, werewolves, you know, that yeah. sort of yeah. exactly. uh, more gothic uh, setting for any D&D mm. players out there. We're talking Ravenloft as opposed to Forgotten Realms. Yes. I can see there are some non D and D players in the room. <laughs> There's a couple, yeah. There's a couple. Holly's been known to play D and D from time to time. Just occasionally, <laughs> yeah. Uh, not uh, doesn't mean I know anything about it, but I do play. The uh, you know Joshua t- touched on first law. I, th- I think f- I don't. I don't think first law is. Um, I think it's a gateway drug into the sub subgenre. I think it's a way to kind of dip your toes in, but if I don't think it's a good representation of what is really, how can I say this? I think it's a good way to kind of dip your toes. I don't think it's a good for me. It doesn't represent what the subgenre embodies. Like it, yeah. it's a, it gets a taste of it. It's a, it's more, which is good. It's more accessible. It's like, it's like a, for me, when I it, I kind of saw it as like a Tarantino version of of fantasy because the characters all have like these personality, like these 
quirky person. It's funny. It's it's you can it's say easy the to same about into, manifest know. delusions. The, those characters are f- sometimes funny, <laughs> really funny, but it's it's much harder. The the world, the setting, everything is 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 amped to uh, up to eleven. Uh, and and like you say, um, dip your toes in more. Like first law is like Coke light. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's a light. Grim dark fantasy, I think. Hmm. What? No, yeah. No, no, no. I, I saw Jose going like, no, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. I was saying, I, I, I was just musing on the light, dark sort of, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. So, so there's there's dark, grim dark, and light, grim dark. Oh, there's, there's yes. Sh- shades. <laughs> There's, there's shades of green dark. Uh, well, I've never read Manifest Illusion, so I, I can't compare, sadly. Um, f- for me, like I said, I started with Warhammer, and so I started with the idea that Grim Dark was this scenario or, or this type of world that never evolves. It's just fighting, fighting, fighting. Nothing ever gets mm-hmm. resolved. It's all pointless. And then when I read the, for the first law, uh, which is completely different... It's it's not the world so much. Um, it, it's 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 not about the fighting. That's what I mean. It's more the psychology behind it, the mm. the mindset of the characters and how they interact in this world where there's no escape. You know, there's always something bigger than themselves working in, in the in the background. All they can achieve is this. You know, looks like a victory, but it's kind of not. You know, they're. they're it's that feeling mm. of hopelessness. Uh, it's not so much about the gore or um, how many battles or, you know, torture scenes. You know, it's about that sense of hopelessness. And like Jose said, the, the cynicism of usually the main characters as they, you know, uh, mm. live, or try to survive in that world. Yeah. So it's, it's much more I, I don't know. I think We have used the word hopeless, but I'm not entirely sure. And again, I'm just referring to First Law. But the characters aren't necessarily hopeless. Uh, I think they're, they're just... Hopelessness. Uh, what's the word? I think they're more like... I don't know what I'm trying to say. They accept the world for what it is, so they don't have a hope to make it better. Or all they aspire to do is to make the most for themselves. They're not trying to to change the world for the better. But They're just trying you to. You as advance. a reader, you as a reader can feel that hopelessness. I mm-hmm. I found the word perfectly for the uh, Prince of Nothing series. If you want to feel hopeless and and feel like everything is bad, read that series. Even though, like you said, Jose, it's like oh, the characters make the best of it for themselves. You as a reader are, are reading it and feeling like, I, I don't understand how they okay. live in this place. I don't understand how they survive. So, so when, we, when we talk about hopelessness, it's what we perceive as the reader, not what the characters live and, and how they approach the world, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. So Holly, how how did you how did you find out that you were writing Grimdark? 
So I think I kind of had a similar experience to a lot of the other grimdark authors that I've spoken to since in that the the funny thing is, going back to what Steve was saying about the difference between dark fantasy and grim dark, is it's generally not the writers that put these subgenre labels on. Certainly not at first. Maybe more so now it's become a more marketable term. But certainly when I kind of first started writing, it was the readers that were defining it rather than me deliberately trying to write something grim dark. So I think that's why people struggle to find an answer to what it actually is because it's it's translated and interpreted by the person reading the the story so all these kind of conversations and arguments about nihilism and hope really stem from the fact that that is going to be different for everybody based on their perspective so you know i've read grimdark books where people said it well god you know there's no hope in this and it's just it's just nihilism and it's just pure depression and misery and grimness and you know you'll go to the next review for that book and someone will say there was so much hope in this and like i really felt you know uplifted seeing these characters survive and triumph against these terrible traumas in the hope you know face of hopelessness so a lot of it really comes down to what your interpretation of those things are rather than the writer's interpretation. And speaking of marketing, I, I do wonder now, I, I, I think maybe five years ago, I think grimdark was a more marketable term. I think maybe some people would use that. Like some, some people may have used it, but I, I, I don't know that it's, I kind of see that cozy fantasy is kind of making a comeback and it's not for me, but I, I do think that, the cozier stuff is maybe appealing more to some people. And I don't know that it's like you said, I don't know if people set out to write. It just kind of happens that way, but uh, I'm sure some people use it as a marketable term, but I'm not sure that it's as it's as, as marketable as it was I don't know, five years ago or three, four years ago. See, I actually do have a bit of an opinion on that. Um, and I'm glad that you brought it up because I wanted to mention it earlier. Because one of the things that Susanna said um, at the start of this was about Grimdark being everywhere, which I think is absolutely true. Um, you know, you just, every other book that comes out, certainly in the past kind of maybe five years, has been, you know, probably a Grimdark book. But I think part of that stems from the fact that there was really no marketing term for these types of books before that, um, aside from to call them fantasy or dark fantasy. And I think what happened is there was already so many books in existence that fit suddenly within this subgenre of grimdark. So prime example at the moment, I have my beautiful book here, which I know other people won't see, but I'm going to show you anyway because it's so beautiful. Um, so that's Les Miserables by Victor Hugo, which I would arguably say is a grimdark book. But obviously when it was released, it would never have had that kind of tag to it because it didn't exist mm. so i think when it suddenly came about it wasn't just a case of new authors or new books being called grimdark all of a sudden there was just masses of pre-existing books that suddenly started falling within this new subgenre. so i think that kind of um like almost felt like it was a mass like influx into the market mm. it was probably propelled a little bit by that sure but it's easier to find those books now that interest me because of that term like Le Mis, I under I haven't read it. I know the story, and I'm like, huh. Depend depending on on how gory or whatever it gets, it could be a grim dark novel then for me, and then that would make it interesting, more interesting for me to read. 
So mm. are we saying... Mm-hmm. Yeah, that saying that then was a that great example. Orwell's 1984 and Huxley's Brave New World are grimdark now. <laughs> hmm? oh. I could see it. 1984 for sure, right? Great question. <laughs> that, yeah, it uh, tough, do, one, does, tough one. Do you need fantasy elements to be grimdark? Do you, no, or no. Of, then, uh, so now we're talking about grimdark fantasy, I think. What? Like, like no, the first that... law, Malazan, uh, Song of Ice and Fire. But then I'm gonna, you could I'm gonna go in, Steve... in different. I'm going to hold Steve Ransom to his earlier point when he said it's low okay. fantasy. So we don't yeah. need the fantasy. I don't know. I'm just just being facetious no. here. Okay. That, that's yeah. why, why Le Mis could, could have been a grimdark <laughs> novel. That isn't fantasy. Huh. I buy that. Interesting. So C- could you imagine even, like, yeah. like a grimdark biography or something? <laughs> I mean, aren't, aren't aren't all biographies grimdark? Um, did it did it kill? Is history grimdark? History well, is grimdark. Uh, can certainly, no, history is some, some characters are pretty grim and dark, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Certain certain German dictators and stuff like that. Yeah, sure. we had we had the dark ages, and those times were grim. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Crusades. Y- yeah, but but. Uh, just because something is grim and dark. <laughs> doesn't make it grim dark, Susanna. Explain that. Grim dark. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what it is, right? I'm, 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 still, I'm still trying to get around 1984 as grim dark. I, I don't think it fits, but uh, I see your point, but I'm like, no, it doesn't fit. But why it, doesn't it, it fit? It and definitely has to do an with the, the marketing uh, value of the word itself. It, it, it helps a lot. Like, like YA is marketing to to uh, an audience. I mean, if you see YA, like, oh, that's going to be for me because YA, I love YA. I love Grimdark. Can YA be Grimdark? Yes. <laughs> that, that is another tough one because the first time someone uh, mentioned uh, the Ashen Sand series uh, mm-hmm. to me, uh, I, I was like, so it's YA because it's a coming-of-age uh, uh story and when uh, i read it it was definitely not YA. but the first page you know it's not why yeah and and that made me yeah. happy that made me happy like it's not why because i don't like why uh, but if if it could i i don't know what the uh the lines are there that it should be grimdark ya how what what is the the worst thing that could happen in something like that I don't know. Uh, it it could happen off off the page or off screen. I guess you could say. I mean, it, it could be alluded to okay. that certain things happen yeah. and not, mm. you know, get in. But I think it, I think YA could be grimdark. Hmm. There's something morally wrong about YA being grimdark. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> you know. I, I, it's like having, it's like PG-rated horror movies. I don't know. There's something oxymoronic about the whole thing. Then they shouldn't be reading history books like you said. I mean, like yeah. what happened in the camps and stuff. 
most of those history books have pictures in them. I mean, that is that is brutal, and yeah, yeah, it yeah. really happened. Interesting. Okay, so I, I felt like I, sorry, like just talk over someone. No, go ahead. No. Okay, just because this this is something I'm going to get really passionate about now, oh, um, okay. and it's also going to give you a, a glimpse into potentially you know what I was like as a child and why I've turned out the way I have. But my favorite book when I was a child, so this is probably around twelve, thirteen, I would say, is a book called The Alchemist's Cat by Robin Jarvis, and Again, I would argue that this is a children's grimdark book. Um, it's it's a brilliant book. It's I've still got a copy now, but it literally starts with the protagonist's entire family dying of smallpox. Mm. So this this is how it starts. The protagonist then moves to London to meet their new guardian, who is almost immediately murdered by thugs and ruffians. And this story has got so much death and so much um, misery within its pages. You know, it's it's set against the backdrop of London during the bubonic plague. Uh, it's no one is safe. There are characters that get killed, and this is something that I read. Obviously, it's quite a young teenager, and it was amazing to have a book for me at that age that spoke with that level of truth and that level of authenticity about the world um, and you know I'm not saying that this is something that every child wants in their life but <laughs> I would assume that there's probably other children who are like me that really at that age had a real need for a book that spoke truth to them um, and didn't cushion the sharper edges of the world so I, I totally appreciate that, you know, you may not want to give this book to your kids. I totally understand that. But I just want to just wanted to say how much it meant to me. And just, yeah, that's my little hill. No, no, no. <laughs> you're, 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 I, I think you're correct about that, that some uh, a lot of kids need that, that non-cushioning uh, part. And we're safe because most kids don't like to read. So I think it's 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 pretty fine. Has anybody read uh, Watership Down? I mean, <laughs> if you want Grim Dark, but then with animals, <laughs> it is. It's pretty no, brutal I, I've, with, I've with guts and everything. I mean, I'm still traumatized by that. I can't talk about that. At <laughs> I, I watched the movie as a kid, not quite oh. knowing what it was, and wow. and the movie as a kid. I was moderately traumatized by how how it ended, and then I read the yeah. book as a as an adult, and then I I made the connection with the movie, and yeah yeah, <laughs> there's something there. Hmm. Hmm. It's um, I'm here thinking it's interesting what um, the things that you read as a child then. How it relates to what you find mm. grim yeah. and dark as a as an adult. My my favorite book as a child was the Teen Fast, uh, the Steadfast Teen Soldier, mm. one of Grimm's fairy tales, and it's very dark. But again, it's uh, I, I wouldn't recommend it to kids at all. And um, later on, you know, in my teens was Weathering Heights, which I wouldn't consider grim dark. But it still has that very dark um, at, at, atmosphere, that sense of hopelessness. The, the characters 
completely unlikable. Um, that that is the sort of thing that I find. Um, but great, great dark, example. The brothers Grimm. Great example. Yeah. That sort of psychology. Yeah, those were yeah. fairy tales, like proper fairy tales. Now to add those books to my reading list. Mm. But it, it is interesting what you said about um, what is uh, dark or grim dark for you because of what you uh, got to read or see as a child. Mm -hmm. uh, because a lot of people get desensitized uh, to a lot of stuff, uh, maybe at an early age. And then what is horror for you is like, oh, he touches his eye. Ooh, and the other one is like, doesn't he take a spoon and go like, boop. I mean, that's, that's, yeah, where, where you grow up, I yeah. mean, <laughs> that is very interesting. Yeah, an ice cream scoop. Yeah. See? Yeah. See? Yeah. But aren't, aren't a lot of, of, at least, even like the older Disney movies, I mean, like Bambi, that's not, I mean. And it happens off screen. Like, like you said that it goes off screen. YA, Grimdark, it could happen. Dumbo, I'm, I'm when saying. he gets drunk. The, night, the nightmare scene in Dumbo, when he gets drunk, creeped me out yeah. as a child, big time. Yeah. Very trippy, very trippy. Pinocchio? Mm. It gets pretty dark. Mm. I think it's, it's coming back to that thing that Susanna said, though, as well, mm. about it's because all those films are based on much more watered-down versions of original fairy tales. And when you look at the original fairy tales, I mean, they are dark. Um, and then you've got things as well, like um, the one that I thought of just now is The Little, the little Match Girl. I mean, that's, that's dark. Yeah. The, those fairy tales, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think they were written with a clear moralizing intention. It, it was like, like a clear warning to mm. kids, isn't it? Mm -hmm. So um, they yep. weren't written for the pleasure of, uh, you know, writing something that ran counter to tradition or wanting to, you know, turn a genre on its head or, you know, subvert expectations or anything like that. They had a very clear aim. Whereas I think now, Maybe, and like I said, I haven't read much Grimdark. Maybe some authors are just writing for shock value, are they? Is that a thing? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I, I think some do. I think, I think like something like Splatterpunk is, the, it, the intention is to shock, is to appall, is to, uh, to really, um, you know, to, to be as extreme as possible. It's not so much about the story. It's about the violence and gore and the just, it's like an extreme horror movie that sets out to, to, um, to just be disturbing, to, to be offensive, I guess, for some people. But I think there's, there could be elements of that, but I, I don't know that grimdark as a whole is that that's the, the intention is to shock. I don't, I don't know. I mean, there are books out there that maybe there's some people who do that. Like I'm not, that never, not that that never happens, but I, I, I don't know that that's the, the splatterpunk is to shock you, is to, hmm. um, is to disgust you. Uh, I'm not sure that Grimdark is, I think Grimdark more sets out to, 
if it sets out to just, it's more of a, like, like we discussed or like more like a psychological or emotional type of, uh, to appeal to you in that way as a, as a sadder, um, to, to kill off a character that you care about or to see someone suffer, uh, or a character you, you come to attach yourself to. So I, I guess there's elements, but I think something like Splatterpunk is to, that's the intention of the, that's the whole genre is to mm. be, dis, be as disturbing as possible. But it's true, Jose. Uh, there are some that... Um, so I love uh, Manifest Delusions of Michael R. Fletcher. Uh, it's, it's amazing. I think everybody should have tried it if you want to try uh, Grimdark. But he has another series like uh, The Obsidian Path uh, with the first book, Blackstone Heart. And... <sighs> When I I just read it, and I think this one was before the other books, and it felt like he was really trying to go for shock value instead mm. of go for a story like like in the Manifest Delusions, uh, like how far can I take this? And and um, there is another one that um, I felt that way with uh, Empires of Dust. The first book was more for shock value in my opinion hmm. than than the second book and the third book starts it it starts to have a cohesive story and and more character development the first book is like she's going all over the place just to show you stuff and it felt wrong so i think there there hmm. are definitely some writers that that go for that i'm just going to write grimdark for grimdark because it's fashionable the the last book in the Empires of Dust series that's that still I'm gets me. I'm that there is, I won't I won't spoil, but there's some 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 things that was like that like it really got to me. All right, see, yeah. So if it got to me. You know, it's like wow, <laughs> <laughs> hardcore Steve. <laughs> it's like that was like yeah, that, and Sarah Chorn writes some uh, some like. Um, Seraphina's lament, like there's a there's a, a death in that in that book that's that really got to me too. But that's you know speaks to the crafting the story and the characters in a way that mm. makes you care about them. And when they get taken, when they get killed in a horrible way, it's uh, you know it has an emotional reaction. I didn't have that in the first book, as in it didn't feel like that at all. The first book was a, a mishmash of of things she was trying to be as dark as possible. That's, that's hmm. what it felt like. Interesting. Well, I guess the, the same way that you can have a romance plot in any other genre, pretty much, you can have a green dark or green dark elements um, in, even in high fantasy or YA. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't mean that mm. the whole book is grimdark just because it has grimdark elements. Yeah. So, what's the? I guess I know the answer. We're just putting it out there to 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 have the conversation. <laughs> what's the What's the appeal of reading grimdark? Like, what makes what makes you, Steve, enjoy it more than possibly any other genre within fantasy? seeing the characters overcome and persevere, even if they don't survive, 
even if their legacy is changes some, even in a small way, even if it's not changing the world, they don't, they may not save the world. They may not save a group of people. Even if they, even if they save one person or even if they, if they just tip the scales just a little bit, they like do the little part. Um, I think just seeing them overcome and even if it's a small difference, cause I think that's, that that's kind of what we, I mean, we, not very many of us can really change the world, right? If we set out to, we can change one person, the path of one person or the like nudge things over just a little bit. I think it's kind of, I don't know. I think it's like, um, I think for me, it's, it's, I don't want to say encouraging, but it's, it, that, that is that element of hope that you can make a difference even in a small way, even against the worst situation you can find a way to overcome. You're such a positive grimdark reader. It's weird. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I understand you completely. I, 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 I just like it because, yeah. But usually there's more interesting characters. I don't know. I think I, I can relate to characters a lot better. Um, one of the things I. I don't read a lot of high fantasy anymore um, because I just I, I find very hard to relate to the characters. They are all so um, morally driven, so righteous, or just so evil for for the sake of being evil. I can't. I I really like characters that are mm-hmm. utterly flawed. Um, characters that you probably shouldn't like i i'm i'm always kind of rooting for the villain sometimes um <laughs> just because they're more interesting and that that is an aspect that i like about grimdark is that everyone is kind of a villain um yeah, could be kind of a villain just, yeah it's the like steve said but then for me it's all over the place uh could be evil could be good it's just their reactions uh in those circumstances their their decision making their thought process, everything about that character that makes mm-hmm. it function and tick in that world that is uh, interesting or more interesting than any other uh, genre for me. Kose or Holly? What about you? Yeah, what about you, Holly? I'm, I'm trying to think of the best way to explain it um, because I... I know what I get out of Grimdark, and I think it's to do with the way I look at difficult or dark or you know scary subjects. So if there's something that is, you know, a horrible thing or a scary thing, I like to be able to take it out of whatever the situation is, put it down in front of me and look at it in a very factual, uh, logical way. That's how I overcome my own fears in my own life. And I think Grimdark somehow does that for me via books because what it does is it looks at the what and the how and the why. So we know this character is a villain. We know this character has, you know, just murdered 500 townsfolk. What I'm interested in is the how did they get to that place in their life? What has driven them to be in this situation? Why is their perception of the world different to mine? So I feel like Grimdark can be quite analytical in that sense. And again, it goes back to the, the whole idea of it being psychologically based is it's it almost takes the magic out of it. And by that, I don't mean the physical magic in the book. It makes it more real 
And that's the best I can explain it. It's a really hard thing to put into words. But you did it. <laughs> yeah. Well, so you can answer your, your yeah, own question. Your own question. <laughs> um, <laughs> Jesus. Um, I think for me is like it's like watching movies. Uh, you know, sometimes you're in the mood for a thriller. Sometimes you're in the mood for a comedy. Sometimes you're in the mood for a horror. And to me, grimdark is the horror of fantasy. So it's not my hmm. it's not my default. Every now and then. I like to watch a horror movie. I like to read a more grim, dark book, but it's not my it's, it's not my my main thing. I prefer slightly more traditional, classic fantasy. Um, that's how I say it. It's like choosing from a menu. Do you? Are, so I'm I'm curious. So classic fantasy. What has your your faith in classic fantasy been shaken by your recent <laughs> your recent uh, adventures into the in, into certain series? No, no, not at all, not at all. Um, hmm. But suppose my experience with classic fantasy, you know, we were talking before about what you read as a child, and for me, Dungeons and Dragons and classic epic high fantasy has such a huge impact on me as a teenager that. It just it was my life for many many years, and it's what made me find a group of people that I could fit in and and be comfortable with. Mm. So no, uh, you know I still think Lord of the Rings is the best book ever written. I still you know I have reread Dragonlance five times. I still read Forgotten Realms. Um, I yeah, it's yeah. It, it had we should that we should talk about that. We should talk about that because what, with a therapist a, or, or here. Well, I have a, I have a huge <laughs> Forgotten Realms collection and Dragonlance. <laughs> uh, we should talk about that with a therapist. You and me, <laughs> in the room. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. I'm, I'm down for that anytime. Anytime. Hmm. Uh, it's, uh, if you do that, then then there's something wrong with you. It's true. It's true. Yeah, I'm surprised uh, your wheel of time experience didn't shake your, your faith. <laughs> I we don't have to go there. Steve. Oh, we dear. Don't, we don't Shots being we always have to go there. We always have to go there. We always it's have just, to. Go there. I just I love hearing you rant about it. It's just so much fun. But wheel of time is not <laughs> fantasy. Yeah. The last book, the last book gets Where? pretty grim dark. Are you telling me wheel, wheel of time there. is the, wheel of time. <laughs> the last book? <laughs> <laughs> the last book. <laughs> I don't know. I I remember getting to a point where I, I just had to put it down because every time I was reading it at the festival, kind of between gigs, um, and every time I would go to the tent to read another chapter, mm. someone died horribly. <laughs> I don't remember that clearly. <laughs> Went and, and watched another gig, came, came back. Okay, this person dying again. Okay, all my you favorite characters are dying. Like done with just this. put it in the fridge, like he does with little women. It's a pretty... <laughs> Someone died. <laughs> put it in the fridge God, no. or the freezer. No, I I wouldn't call no. it grim dark. I'm joking, but it gets pretty yeah. dark. That's that's what I'm saying. Yes. Of course, I, I think he went to uh, go, go punch something. He, yeah, remember his yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> you punched a hole in the wall, probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't say anything bad about you. No worries. <laughs> yeah. I believe you. Oh, okay. <laughs> but it's a uh, yeah. But that's, okay. Let, Go ahead. I'm sorry. Let's no no. Let's reverse that question onto you guys. So has your reading of Grimdark spoiled, in inverted commas, your appreciation for more traditional books. Sevilla had nothing from Steve. Wow. Gone. No, not even close. Lord of the Rings is still amazing. Uh, I, I read what is the the uh, relaxing fantasy book again? Um, the coffee shop one. What is it? Oh, uh, Legends of Lattes. Legends of Lattes. It was a it was a fine book. I mean, I liked it. It it's it it makes other books maybe uh, less thrilling, but it doesn't detract from if if it's it's good it's a good book it's it's written badly whatever it it doesn't detract at all for me for me but for steve apparently steve i i can't go back to traditional fantasy now now that i've been reading so many but you've gone vegan i should (laughs) yeah i've gone carnivore i think (laughs) yeah Uh, i suppose yeah but I, I can from time to time if I it's if it's the right book I can. But generally speaking, when I go back to more classic traditional fantasy, I just think it's it's kind of boring. Like it's it's kind of like watching a Marvel movie, you know. And, and there's some comfort in having knowing what's going to happen. The hero is going to prevail. The day will be saved. Everyone will be happy, and that's fine. Sometimes, like I get, I get. It's nice to have that that it's nice to go in and not have to go into dark places or, or to have a character you care, care about die and not come back. But it, it just, it's just boring. <laughs> like I don't, there's, it, you can kind of slap a, a, a certain beats that you can kind of, you know, what's coming next, like, or at least a variation of it. And there's certain things that happen and you just kind of can tell where things are going to go. And, Sometimes that's okay. Like sometimes that's fun. Like you, you don't it's like see the coming point back anymore. to your favorite meal. You know. Yeah, yeah I don't see the point anymore. I've got that with video games. If people say to me, "Oh man, this this game, this story is amazing," let's let's say God of War or The Last of Us, I would slap someone seriously in the face with that game if I have to, because <laughs> no. It's it's point A to point B, and everything in between is oh character build. It's boring from point A to point B, and it's pretty to look at. I can, I give them that, and I think that's because of Grimdark. Uh, I think it made me. I, I think it made me a bit more um, mm. picky. Yes, uh, I I still enjoy you know. Lord of the Rings and uh, more light um, or, or just dark fantasy it doesn't need to be. But uh, I, I'm I really prefer a book that is character driven, mm-hmm. and for that it needs to have good characters. And like I said, for me, good characters have to be morally 
grey and flawed and a bit selfish and cynical. And that's usually found in grimdark novels. So Jose oh. yeah. does not agree. You don't believe yourself. Not necessarily. Susana. You do not even believe yourself. Who are you? What, what happened? <laughs> because <laughs> because What have you done to Susanna? <laughs> because this world. This world. But I said, but but I don't always call it grim dark, you see. I, I just Yeah. Yeah, but you know, this world doesn't feature in, in my top that's five, you're wrong. for example. Okay, that you know, explains it all. It's <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I read a lot and like my my tastes are wide and, and recently with all these discussions I've been reading stuff that I, I would never um, yeah never wouldn't even think about it but I, I always come back when I go for a, for a comforting read like for example uh, when I'm feeling down um, a couple months back I went and reread Best Surf Cold because you know it makes me feel good so I what does that say? I don't know. I find it very cathartic. Um, Is that one worse? Abercrombie book? <laughs> the what? <laughs> the worst? <laughs> if I'm honest, of all the books, <laughs> I, I read the, the entire thing. That is the one I was like, point A to point oh. B, that was the most boring book he wrote in the entire series. And that's wow. why it's getting adapted to movie or series. Ouch, what is it? ouch. <laughs> no, because it's the best. It was one, the most the basic best. one that where they were like, oh, this is of, easy of, to, of, to uh, <laughs> copy paste. Even Susanna <laughs> can be right every now and then. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, just like a broken clock. <laughs> right. And you, Holly, did writing, reading Grimdark change your taste? Or were you always on the green and dark? I mean, I think we, we established earlier on that I started reading Grimdark yeah. when I was 12. So I I can't really... Comp- I've never been a fan of epic or high fantasy. It's just not my genre. At the risk of being kicked out of this stream, I've Goodbye. never <laughs> I've never read The Lord of the Rings, I will admit it. I haven't either. Um, I just... It's... I, I understand the appeal of it to other people. I understand the success of it, but I always enjoyed more low fantasy, so I always lean more towards the historical fantasy. So people like Stephen Pressfield, Bernard Cornwell, um, I know that's a little bit ambiguous <laughs> when you look at history, but stuff like that, I think, always appealed to my kind of, uh, desire for more realism. So, yeah, not a high fantasy S- person, S- I'm says afraid. the Dungeon Master. <laughs> I mean, yes, there is that, but I think that's to be fair. D and D came later in mm. life, so uh, yeah, that's my 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 fantasy outlet is through Dungeons and Dragons. But having said that, about the you like the history aspect, have you read Prince of Nothing? Um, I haven't actually. It's one of the ones on the that, list that I haven't it read. Is, it is difficult for a lot of people because he's he's. Uh, the way he writes it, it can be all over the place so it's either you love it or you really hate it but 
it is more in line with what you like about books because it's it feels like an uh, alternative uh, version of the the Crusades. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, that sounds like it would be up my street, definitely. Susanna <laughs> was not a fan. Yeah, that I understand. No, I I want to know the story. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to wait for the yeah. adaptation because the prose doesn't work for me at all. I've I've tried again in the meantime, and even the audiobook, I lose track of what what's being said because it it, it just goes all over the yeah. place so much. Uh, I can't I can't focus. I, Understandable. I, sorry, I didn't write it. It's okay. It really doesn't work. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> we, to apologize. We you. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll, I'll wait for the movie. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. No, I, was no I just want to say, Holly, you're, you're not alone at, at the risk of being kicked off, too. I haven't read Lord of the Rings either, so it's two of us. No, I was going to say something really stupid. Oh, we're talking about Lord of the Rings. That, that, <laughs> that was not um, Has everybody read uh, A Song of Ice and Fire in this group? Okay, yes. so what is More your stance once. on... Yeah being grimdark or not because that is interesting from yeah I, th I thought so wow thought so. i'm surprised yeah, yeah, yeah. Meet the one we need her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so three three people are going like nope nope this is this is definitely not grimdark uh why really? and any of the three no it's very grim and okay. very dark so wow. but it's not grimdark. this is where Jobber crombie changed my mind so i think for uh, for me, a song of ice on fire was sort of the more, if you want, more mature, slightly darker series that I the first series like that that I read. And I think for someone that came from a very traditional background, that moment when Ned Stark gets his head chopped off to the very last line before the guillotine falls or the axe falls and they chop off his head. I'm waiting for him to get rescued to somehow get out of it because this doesn't happen in fantasy. Your main protagonist doesn't die in the first book. And I think, oh, it was a sword. And when the sword fell off, I was like, fuck, like, this is a game changer. Um, and yeah, I, th I think on first impressions, you could think that the characters are morally grey, but they, they're not. I think they all have a code and I think you can understand their motivations. And I think still there are good and bad, like traditional goodies and baddies. Um, the, mm. Like Jamie Lannister. There, there's a difference. Sorry. There's a difference between being, you know, what we call a morally gray character and just being human or just a well-rounded character. No, no one's perfect. You know, it, it creates very believable characters because they are all imperfect. You know, they, they have their ideals, their codes, but they are all deep down very human. You can relate to them, even if you don't agree. You 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 can relate to them. That's I I do relate. I yeah, drink it, and I know it things. Doesn't make... I do relate. And I think though, even though we're never <laughs> going to see the end of the series. The good guys will still win. Um, you know, they will defeat the White Walkers. They will overthrow Queen Cersei. 
and you will mm. still have some sort of catharsis at the end uh, mm. where the good guys win. Yeah, there will be casualties along the way, um, but um, you know, we talked in the past in other conversations. Yeah, his camera isn't focused. No, my camera's out of oh, focus. Right. Sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. No, no, we, I said we talked in other conversations that, you know, Jamie Lannister goes in this redemption arc. And, you know, I think that's some of the goodies and starting the wrong side. But the eventual, I think, you know, if you stop to think about it, A Song of Ice and Fire is not really, it's not great that. All right. And Holly's the last person there. <laughs> I'm actually, I'm in a good position now because Jose just set me up really nicely now for this answer. Um, so I think the point you made there about winning is really important because I think, um, you know, as was said, it's it's not a grim dark, it's a book that is grim and dark. And I think what made it lack that grim dark element is that the, when you look at the losers and the winners in Song of Ice and Fire is, I, I'm trying to think how I can explain this for an audio podcast, You've got the winners here and the losers here. There is a, a much larger gap between where the losers end up and where the winners end up. There is higher stakes, for want of a better word, whereas I think with most grim docs, you find that that gap between your losers and your winners is very small indeed. And I think that, for me, is the main difference. I'm shocked, honestly. <laughs> I'm so surprised you guys don't think... I think it's... I mean, the character deaths and... I guess the question is, does the end need to... So if we assume that the good guys, the good the good side will win, does that make it not grimdark? Do you, do you need a... Because uh, of all the character deaths and all the all the things that happen, well, is, is doesn't that embody all we've been talking no, about? Because I don't know. I think... Um, no, that's like, just history. That's, that's just life. Morally, they got morally high ambitions you know Jon Snow is an idealist Tyrion still wants the best for the people and he tries he does try to change the world in the ways that he can um, you know there are some clearly evil people like uh, from the Iron is it the, the Iron Islands the, the, um, mm. is, that, is that I can't I've read it many years ago but I mm. think there are still some you know, good and bad. and you can see also in um, uh, God, Mother of Dragons, whatever her name was, I forget now. That her ambitions to be queen are sort of justified that she's been robbed of her birthright, and I think it is not as cynical and it's not as nihilistic as you know the slap in the face that is by us in. The first one. First of all, the White Walkers losing is a bad ending. I mean, come on. Um, <clears throat> nobody agrees. Excellent. Um, but I, I understand the the whole uh, not being a grimdark because the the overall world. So there are situations and places that are that are grim and and it's hard to live in. And especially in high society, it's it's uh, dog eat dog. But there are parts that it's like they're just farmers on a farm and uh, the world is just normal. Like in history books, normal people are, are having their daily lives. There, isn't, there aren't any stakes for them because it's just a, 
just hope that no noble passes your uh, street and and claims everything uh, you own and that that's it so it, the the circumstances yeah. aren't that grim unless you focus on those parts like everything beyond the wall is very bad for you yeah those are grim circumstances that's true Hmm. Now, you, you were talking earlier how history is quite grim dark and uh, well history has dark periods you were talking about crusades and the holocaust and, and all that yeah horrible dark periods but they passed you know that's the thing the world keeps changing you know there are good times bad times um, wars peace you know, it always It's always changing. Um, to, to be a proper grim, dark environment, nothing really changes. You're always stuck uh, in that world. He's backed in a always corner, at war, trying to defend himself. Going fighting to achieve something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I, it makes sense. Um, no, I can, I can see where... Get, thinking back on A Song of Ice and Fire, there are characters who are... I don't know if you would say morally... I think there are the lines are pretty defined on motivations and um, kind of the good versus evil almost. And then you have the white walkers who, you know, but I think it'd be great if the white walkers won and we just kind of start over again and yeah. kind of reset everything. Yeah. That'd be cool. Well, I That guess we'll never dark. find out. Will we? Mr. Martin, if know. you are I... listening, please do this. <laughs> <laughs> A little digression. Um, Steve, you, you never read the books. Uh, you never went all the way yeah. to Dance Dragons. Yeah. Yeah. Especially in Dance of Dragons, the, the last one, you, you get to see a lot more of Essos, of you know what's going on outside Westeros. And I find that world mm. a lot more grimdark than Westeros. They've, their society uh, with slavery, with the the horrible um, fights and arena life has no value in that in that in that world pretty much or it's very low value I, I find that that it's if, if while in Westeros yes it's it's the battle bet, uh, against the, the white walkers which are this you know this absolute evil death itself almost you know um, In the east, they're they're fighting against life. You know, no, no one is actually living; they're just surviving. It's it's such a system, and, and it's so ingrained in their culture, even in the different cities. That it, that's why when Daenerys is going around trying to liberate uh, the slaves, the moment she leaves, everything reverts to how it was before. You know, that it. It's very hard to change, so I find that part is, is so a lot more grim dark than the actual. There are grim dark parts, which are just bickering against series. each other. It's just like I said before: the parts of the world are like fine, and other parts grim dark. Mm -hmm. mm. The other one you put in there, Malazan, Malazan. Oh, don't tell Erickson that. <laughs> I know he is. Yeah, he is not. He is not a fan of uh, from. You know, 
but it's the same thing yeah. as as Martin's work. Parts are are really like dark and and grim setting and everything. So the the green dark can apply uh, on situations, but then there are parts that aren't as bad. I, don't know, I think uh, like Dead House Gates is uh, pretty just, dark. You have to check. Uh, I think Susanna hasn't read. No, I don't. No, it's uh, yeah. spoiler free. I only but, read the first okay, one. Yeah. Uh, no, no spoilers. Just, uh, but I think the second book is pretty, pretty dark. Yeah, definitely. But again, going back to that, you know, <laughs> spoilers. Yeah. Never mind. Yeah. People have very strong opinions on that, on that one, on that series. Mm. On every book in that series. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I really dislike uh, me too. Gardens of the Moon. So I don't know. Not because it was it was dark. I just stopped. It was a hodgepodge. So I thought it was stupid. Sorry. I, it, have, uh, I have to try again. It really just drops you in in the middle of everything. It's like almost like you you start a movie in the middle of a movie instead of starting at the beginning, and it kind of yeah, it, it's it's a thing. It's like it's a lot. It can be a lot. Yeah. There's a th- there's like eighty characters I think in book two, some of that from a character list has like eighty characters in it. I stopped counting every time I, I go to that page. You have all the characters in the beginning of the book. I'm like, yeah, no, I'm just going to read the book and see what happens. I don't know. Holly or Jose, have you read anything? Malazan I remain, related? I remain blissfully and completely ignorant of Malassan. And that may be a project for 2025, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> At the moment, I'm enjoying <laughs> Millennium's Rule, which is a more traditional, almost YA fantasy, and um, it's very cozy, and I love it very much. So um, we'll we'll get there eventually. <laughs> you don't have to. Yeah. Of I've read Lord of the Rings. <laughs> You're fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think there's a certain amount of. There's a certain amount of peer pressure in in the community to read certain series, and if you yep. don't, you're not qualified. Like you, you're not good enough. I don't know. And I think mm. Malasang is definitely the one where the, mm. if you read it, you're in. If you haven't read it, you're out. Do you know? I think I'm just gonna completely throw myself at the mercy of you know the readership now, and I'm just like. Pretty much guarantee any major series that someone says you have to read, I haven't read. So I haven't read Lord of the Rings. I haven't read any of the the Malazan. I think the problem is, is that all these books tend to be like the really chunky, huge books. And I can't do that. So my sweet spot for books is around 300 to 350 pages. So anything beyond that... I already know that I'm going to really struggle with. Forgotten Realms and and Dragonlance read it. (laughs) 300 pages, sorry, yeah. (laughs) I would be right, Holly, because all the books we've been mentioning that I haven't read, you know, all these series you've been talking about, Prince of Nothing, uh, whatever, The Empire of Sun, whatever, I've been checking them on on Amazon (laughs) as we were talking, and it's like, fuck, another trilogy, what, another 600 pages? It's like, 
no, please, like, no. <laughs> Why does fantasy need to be paid by the page, seemingly? Ask. Yes. Ask Robin yeah. Hobb. Because of Ask all the world Robin building. <laughs> oh. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. And it's like, no. It's, it's sort of Putin every time, you know, if, if you want to get a taste for something, you have to embark on a 1,500-page minimum read. And for those of us who actually have jobs and families and other things to do in our lives, you know, it would take me almost a month to read something like, um, you know, I've got there, what was it? Um, yeah. The Dragon Bone Chair, 800 pages. It's just, I, I really need to wait almost for, the, for a period of holidays to get started because otherwise it will take forever to read. And, and what's wrong with that? Like, I, I've been reading The Quiet Gods for almost two weeks now, and I'm, you know, it, it's still at 70%. I, I am a slow leader, but I'm reading like a couple of hours a day because I'm loving it so much. And it's great to go in this journey. <laughs> two hours a day. Well, I get 20 minutes a day. What's Okay, well, that's fine. Well, I don't well, sleep much, so there's yeah, there's that. No, you see, it's, it's, it's <laughs> no, hey, exactly, exactly. The perks of not having kids. So, I'm going to say something probably unpopular. Maybe you're not with this group, but I'm going to say something pretty unpopular. But I think a lot of the a lot of the people who say you have to read certain things to be qualified to speak on other books or to have a a perspective that matters. I think a lot of the so-called influencers or the, the book, whatever the authority, I think a lot of those people don't actually read those stories. I don't think they spend the time to really read them. And I think a lot of them are full of shit and I don't, I don't think it actually happens. Agreed. And I think Amen. they just claim that they, they say I, that they do because that's what's expected and, Oh, they've read it. So they know what they're talking about. I think it's all, bullshit sorry yeah i i I agree there's a lot of that out there um the the only person that i i think it's not like that is paramita and uh i thought she was one of those when i first joined the forum (laughs) sorry paramita if you're listening to this but then i start talking to to her and and i realize oh she actually she reads it because she knows the story and the character so well so since then, I've revised my opinion. And maybe there's other parameters out there. But the vast majority, I mean, it's, it's, I don't think it's possible. And, and just the way that they talk about the books, it's always, this is the best thing I've ever read. This is the best thing I've read. This is amazing. This is, yeah. Really? I mean, really? Um, yeah. But they, they still they, they tend to have... Um, a lot of followers and and people who you know listen to their opinions and I'm like, why? Please think can for we, yourself. Go and actually. Can, can we name my shame? Sorry, of, 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 of air. <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I think seventy five percent of them. I think. Um, well, there's a certain yeah, but <laughs> there's the the. I think I think there's some people who actually sit down and, and take the time, but I think these books take time because you're going to read a fan. It 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 takes. Paramita is an, uh, 
she's incredible, but she's very rare. Like yeah. it's not, her only hobby. It's not the many, only thing you know. she does. Yeah. Yeah, but I think some people who claim to have read like a nine hundred page book in an afternoon. If you like flip through it, maybe, but if you actually take the time to read it, because there, you know, authors, there's three authors here that we're talking to today. Jose, you're an author. Um, it, it takes time because you, you take all that time to craft the story, to craft the world. You put so much time and effort into it. And I think it's a little bit insulting to have someone say, oh, I read it in an afternoon. But what did you get out of it though? Really? Like what did you didn't swim in it? Like you just skimmed it at most but it's kind of sad like someone took so much time to craft the story to to put in all the work and there's all this work that goes into it that we don't see as readers but the authors have this big iceberg below the surface that they've they've put together and for someone just to just to skim through it because they want to say they did it like it's kind of sad that i don't know it's kind of depressing like Enjoy yeah. it. Like it, someone puts so much, like, so much of their life yeah. into it. Yeah. F- funny you mentioned that because um, when we were talking to Christopher yeah. Rocchio last week, didn't say Susanna all the Easter eggs and all the references he threw he throws mm. in the books that even that we didn't we didn't pick up. And then he was talking about yeah. quote you know misquoting Shakespeare or you know references to Star Wars or. <laughs> yeah, I pick those up. Yeah. Yeah. I missed the I, I missed the Star Wars one. I, I have to go because I've only watched the prequels like once or twice when when they came I out. So I, I missed the the Star Wars references, but I get the Shakespeare's. I get the especially the the mythological mm, ones. Yeah. I they are I such a delight. Um, he really on knows how to Rukio play the mythology. On the list. Yeah, as is Holly's books and Susanna's books. It's the best thing I've read in yeah. in years. By the way, coming back to when I interrupted Holly, I'm sorry, uh, with the 300-page books, Blissful Ignorance is amazing. I mean, you are able to write a book that is grimdark without without even knowing about the genre, just writing a book out of your own fantasy without that back knowledge of, of other books, which I tend to like more. Uh, because if if I would write something, I have read so many things, I would be like, oh, but that's a reference to this. Oh, that's a reference to that. And I, I would constantly be be yeah. stuck uh, with, with what I'm writing because everything I write feels like plagiarism of other books I've read. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the feeling yeah, I, I, I would get. And, you, and Holly is yeah. in, in a unique situation for this. Like, just she right, can if, just write and... If you can watch my interview with Holly, because the more she was talking, the more and more amazed I was. And you know, I'll say this with, with, with her here, without her in front of me, I, you know, she is amazing. And the way she went about writing her book and, and the way it's written, uh, it's just incredible. I mean, hats off, all respect. Uh, it's amazing stuff, and I'm really looking forward to picking book two this year um yeah um i'm stop embarrassing yeah. myself now <laughs> no 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 i mean and and that's that that's what i got from just this conversation I was like okay if if you come from that it's it's amazing that you wrote two books i mean 
I'm, I'm looking uh, forward to thank that. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> Don't quite know what to say yeah. now. <laughs> ah, you could continue your thought if you, if you still you. have it. Uh, the 300 pages, that is your absolute uh, limit and why? Um, I, I mean, I, I do have a um, problem with like attention and focus, so I struggle to, to read anyway. So for me, reading has to be sort of a discipline. And it's something I'm really working on this year. So um, I've actually finished one book this year, and I'm on to my second one. So last year, I read four and a half books in total fiction books non-fiction books I read a lot more um so yeah so for me the attention is a difficulty but also at the risk again of an unpopular opinion like I appreciate how much other people love world building and all those things that are woven into those you know big long books but for me I'm like if if you can't tell me the story that you want to tell me in 300 pages then my attention's going to wander. So I need writing that is really short and sharp. Like I'm a fan of like a very kind of staccato style of writing, but it's just personal taste. You know, it's it's just the stuff that I kind of get into. Um, one thing I did want to say though, just to jump back to a point Steve made about um, people, you know, mentioning these books that everyone is supposed to have read and it's kind of the in thing to, to talk about them. There's a really good example of that within the grim dark genre and that is um for the maybe the first two or three years that grim dark became a thing every new author that came out myself included was uh, either compared to or called the new joe abercrombie now i will stand up and i will say there is not a chance in any level of heaven hell or earth that i am anything like comparable to joe abercrombie um his style is so completely unique and his style of writing was so new and sorry, I apologize my cat. <laughs> so different that you can't possibly tell me that of the 5,000 grim dark books that got released afterwards, they were all a variation of Joe Abercrombie. What happened was Joe Abercrombie became a huge sensation and all of a sudden it was the book to read. So of course, and then everyone started getting tagged in as comparable to this one book um so yeah i think that is kind of a really good example of what you're talking about steve where one series or one book suddenly becomes like the the go-to for that genre hmm. but go steve sorry oh no it said it reminds me of everything that was the new game of thrones like everything yep. is the, it's, the new game, it's game of thrones yeah. and whatever you yeah. know it's it's like it, not everything has to be, but I think, I guess it's a, again, it's like a marketing thing to say, oh, it's a new, it, like they, some people have said like, oh, it's the Game of Thrones in this, in this setting. It's like, not everything has to be that. But I'm good. I mean, I'd, I'd be looking at, sorry. I was just saying, you know, I, I'd sit there and I'd look at these reviews and I'd go, well, you know, either you haven't read Joe Abercrombie or you haven't read my book. You can't have possibly read both. <laughs> No, I was I was going to say that I'm I'm guessing that no author is going to admit that they are chasing a trend, and because Grimdark became a thing, that they chose to write in that style. And I I would like to think that authors that that no one does that. No one decides to change their writing style or to write a particular book because of a particular genre is hot um, at a particular point in time. 
Oh, mm. oh yeah, yes, they do. Lot. That's why I don't read they Grimdark. Do see, I try yeah. to think highly of people and be positive. <laughs> well, it's it's funny you mentioned that. I yeah. Sorry, Susan. No, there are. No, no, I was just saying that there are many at, at least because try I know to, of one yes, yeah. well-known grimdark grimdark author that writes um, romance semi-erotica on the side, and ah, yeah, they've yeah. claimed that they make a lot more money writing that genre, and they pump out the books, and they make a lot more money. That's a lot, a lot less time spent writing, so they, you know, more power to them if it works. I mean, but you know, they, their love isn't. That their love is fantasy. It's not erotica, but they make a lot more money doing it. So it's like, hey, you know, whatever works. You know, someone's reading it. So I quite like how when you were talking about erotica, you managed to get the expression pump out in there. That's that's masterfully done, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. <laughs> oh no. That was bad. <laughs> No, but but I get but I get that because um, the the erotica genre is or the romance genre is, is the biggest selling genre ever in the history of of books, um, for whatever the reason. So yeah, gas station hmm. books, right? Yeah, airport books. I wondered what. I'm sure there is such a thing as grim dark erotica. Trying to really to now figure it out. How to, well, I'm sure if, no, if there's what? dinosaur erotica, there has no, to no, be grim dark what? erotica. And I'm just curious. To see. Oh, my, my wife, yeah. my, my my wife is a big fan of where dinosaur erotica. erotica so, no, then. you know, I'm, I'm ashamed huh. to admit. So, so yeah, she's good. Yeah, I am. I am trying something along those lines under a pen name. It should be out sometime next year. It's gonna. Uh, I will try because I need to uh, to finance my my regular <laughs> my regular books. It's yeah. It's going to be my side job. I don't know. Aha, I like it's called smut. smut now. It went from erotica smut. to smut. <laughs> So you're going to be pumping out the smut That's, this year, are you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we went from grim dark to smut. Uh, great conversation, Steve. Yeah. As always. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Yeah, no, no. No, that's great. I'd be curious to hear um, how that works out, though, because I know, like, other authors, you know, they, they do that. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Ask me in the year. Do have a question for you though, experience. and you may not have the answer, but just just out of curiosity, when you when you when that book is ready, how do you plan to promote it, if at all? Or are you just going to kind of put it out there and see what happens? No, not not at all. Yeah, just put it on Kindle Unlimited and and see what happens. Yeah. I I do wonder how much. I do wonder how much that matters. You know, I, I have no experience in it, but I do wonder how much, if certain genres require more of a social media presence and certain certain genres don't, or um, if you just kind of put it out there and pay for some Amazon ads, if that makes a difference or if that offsets the time spent on social media or, I don't know, I'm curious to see hear how that works out. If I was to give you any advice, I'm far bit from me to tell anyone what to do. 
have a chat with Holly Tinsley, the woman with the plan. No, because... Are you referring to, like, my crazy, like, boards with, like, notes and no, because, bits of string and no, things on? Just anyway, like, I didn't have a plan no, I, when I, I published. All I'm saying, I was just about to blow smoke up Holly's behind again to say that in my conversation with her, apart from writing a cracking book, <laughs> she devoted a lot of time to figuring out where it would fit, how to promote her, who to approach, and I think, I think no, it's obvious that part of her success is both being able to swap from her writer's hat to her marketing hat, and that she clearly spent a lot of time thinking about how to get the book out there. But obviously, she can do a much better job than me telling that story. I mean, I think... Mm -hmm. No, to be fair, I... I did not have a plan for my first book. My my plan was to release a good book. I, I was so because English is not my main my, my first language. I, I was so wrapped up in the fact that I, I wanted to publish a book that was well written, that I know I will get the story across. I didn't realize how important marketing um, was. I just thought, you know, if I wrote a good book, it would kind of sell because so that was uh so everything else came after that uh, i did learn how to to go over things how to talk to reviewers how to uh market myself in the subsequent books but um yeah that that, that was something i failed miserably at the beginning but it wasn't it wasn't my concern i, I was speaking my battles i had no idea um I, I didn't think, and it still pains me today, the, the fact that I have to promote myself. Mm. I, you know, I, I just want to promote my work, but that's not how it works. Yeah, sadly. I think Holly had an easier time because her books are definitely, yeah. I mean, grimdark. It's so easy. It's, it promotes itself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I joke and say, I should have said it was grimdark mythology. Yeah. That, that would get me up, up there, but... Missed opportunities. I had no idea. Yeah. So, Holly? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think for me, I, I did have a significant advantage in the fact that I I walked into doing this with a, a, not a vast amount, but at least enough knowledge of marketing and experience of like promotion, marketing, networking from you know, my general kind of background and my, my life and career anyway. Um, I was also very lucky in that, unlike a lot of authors, I had a huge amount of time to dedicate to what I was doing. So when I say about having the, the crazy board with the bits of string and the post-it notes, that's that's not an exaggeration. There were times when I would have post-it notes of every chapter on the floor and I would have, you know, reviewers' names on lists and it was just it became a job for me. But for someone who's got, say, young children or they've got a full-time job that they've got to pin down and, and be able to focus on as well, that's not always a possibility. Um, so I completely understand why a lot of authors do go through that experience where they have to launch their book and then go through the process of learning how to promote and you know what social media works for them. And the thing about marketing is that 
there's no right or wrong answer. So what worked for me won't necessarily work for someone else. You know, I, I get a lot of traction off social media. Um, and I think what a lot of people look for, especially in authors, is that they want to see them being active. Mm-hmm. So I think there are lots of people who buy into personalities. And I think there are lots of people who promote purely through their books. Um, and I think there are people who kind of fall in between where you know, last year I kind of stepped away from social media for a bit and I really saw a difference in not only my book sales, but just in general on social media. I kind of felt like I fell out of the whole writer scene for a little while. Um, And when I kind of came back into it, I started getting those engagements more. I started interacting with people more and suddenly kind of conversations would start up again about, you know, do you want to come and like talk to us or, um, oh, I've read your book last week. And I think if that presence works for you, then that's probably the most powerful marketing tool that you can use. I feel like I'm waffling now. No, no, hmm. no. It, it's, it sounds all, all logic. It's just the thing I think about, the first thing I think about then, everything you explain is like, that is definitely a plan. Just add 50% luck or something to it. Uh, the per- I don't know what the percentage of luck is that you need in any any occupation. Uh, Hi, that, huge. That you want to have some <laughs> visibility in this world. I mean, uh, it's huge. You you need you need a lot of luck. Uh, it's just it's yeah talking to the right person at the right time or just uh, writing the right tweets. I don't know. But another thing is it doesn't matter how how popular you get at some point. The moment you stop interacting, engaging, uh, people forget you very quickly. Yeah. (laughs) It's, it's, it's It's constant. It's ongoing and it's so time consuming. It works, but unless, God, it's unless you get to that I, rock I did not star sign up for this. <laughs> uh, level that, that level that everybody wants you, but you don't talk to yeah. anybody. And, and yeah, if you manage to develop that mystique, that, that you know, some people do it very well, you know. But uh, so to somehow, more or less, not really bring it back on topic. You talk about staying relevant. You got the trifecta of the three authors that are massively delayed in the book series, George Martin, Patrick Rothfuss, Scott Lynch. Obviously, Martin has stayed very relevant because of the TV show and everything else. Somehow, Patrick Rothfuss has managed to stay relevant and everyone still talks about that last book for whatever the reason. But Scott Lynch seems to have disappeared. No one really... He had a burnout, right? He, he's, he's... he has some personal issues that are mm. well documented on the internet. I don't really want mm. to talk about it here. Yeah, I, but, I don't know. Exactly. But, um, yeah, there, he had some issues with mm. someone. Um, but, you know, I think book four is coming next year, finally, but no one is talking about it. No. So, what why why hmm. someone like Patrick Rothfuss stayed relevant and someone like Scott Lynch totally um, 
Rothfuss is still active on social media, uh, inclu- including YouTube and X, I think. Yeah. It keeps on. Yeah, he is one of those cases where he is, he is very charismatic and he was everywhere, not just in the writing community, gaming community. And it just has, he can be very engaging when he talks, uh, you know, the, yeah, it had that charisma that went along with the books. He knew how to play um, the game. I, and I'm using the past tense because he seemed to have lost it in recent years. That's the saying. People adore you when you get to that level of fame, but they very quickly, they, they forget or they can turn against you. Um, so it's... That's it's what he got with the... Dangerous. And in the case of Scott Lynch... I mean, now everyone knows his his personal troubles. I mean, it shouldn't be the price, um, you know, to to get your book mm. out there. You shouldn't yeah. have to expose your personal life. Um, it's yeah. it's very tricky. And I know what I know today, and I say this a lot, uh, but you know, it's gone now. I would have published under a pen name and never show my face online. Or it would, like, in these conversations, I still like to engage. It's not the showing the face online, but I would keep the author mm. separated from the books. I, I think uh, they, they would be more successful in my case. I think that the fact that I'm a woman, that I have an accent, that uh, and sometimes blunder, you know, <laughs> my English is not perfect. Um, it doesn't mm. help. I think your problem, Susanna... Is that your name is yeah, your real name? Because it's such a cracking pen name. That yeah. I thought it was yeah, true, the best true. thing I had to work on, but it's just yeah, yeah. That's that, you, you should just no go and say, "No, my name way. is Whatever. Maria Rodriguez" or something like that. <laughs> Even that is still a good <laughs> yeah. pen name. Sure. <laughs> I think it's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't, don't it, get it's me tricky started. because you you invest all this time into platforms that you you build a following and then the platform will fall off and then people leave it and they go to the next platform and it's kind of like you have to start all over again. Mm-hmm. And also, I would be if I was yeah. an author, I'd be terrified to go viral because if you go viral on like TikTok or something and you get you see a big spike, that drop is inevitable and the yeah. next person will go viral and everyone will flock to that book. And I I know of one author who went viral and. They were really successful. They pumped out the next book, and then it was kind of crickets because they moved on to something else. Mm. So it's 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 a tricky thing where it's you want to build a following, but you know at a good I don't know I don't have the answers either. Or, or it's the waiting about. game like like Jenny did Jenny Wirtz. I mean, we didn't have all that internet and and stuff like yeah, that way back when her books came out. I heard mm-hmm. about her books. Like way back in the day, I, I got uh, one and two then, and then years later, suddenly she like explodes onto the scene, and everybody needs those books, and those books are selling like hotcakes. It's you can get lucky later. It's 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 a game. Nah, yeah. she. I think she worked really hard uh, to be what she is now. The definitely that's that's decades mm. of work it's and not she fun. says the same thing that she would she would have written in her pen name too going if she could go back yeah and i i'm not saying that uh 
the books are bad that the that the luck and stuff it's just because there wasn't anything before that like like she, she was known but in lesser in, in smaller circles mm. than than now i suppose that's an interesting conversation for another day because <laughs> mm-hmm. susanna you're talking about writing as a woman in fantasy but i suppose mm. and, and i'm not trying to do like an aggravation comparison but that's going to be easier than writing under a male pen name in the romance genre isn't it you would never be published as a male writer of romance i don't think there's ever been one hmm. so that is interesting uh, but, but like i said that, that's a completely different conversation but i think we left the green duck thing about 20 minutes ago <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was like, because it's we all should go back it's to about the books. Just, okay. it's, it's about books. Digressing into Classic romance. Like, well, conversation, yeah. digression. Excellent. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Classic. Yeah. I will have a look if there's such thing as Green Dark. I did look it up. Um, so I can find. Funny oh. enough. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Steve is already ahead. So apparently, the Barrow. Somebody recommended. Um, the Steel Remains. Uh, also, Heresy Within by Rob J. Hayes. I, Quick question, Steve. I do know. Are there male nipples in the covers of these books you're looking at? Because <laughs> that's the big giveaway. I can do a quick search. That's the big giveaway. Man, somebody's recommending Beyond Redemption. I don't know. This doesn't sound like a very this good... I'm hoping this fucks up your algorithm <laughs> and now all the recommendations yeah. you get. Yeah. Is hmm. Weird it's erotica. Weird. It's hilarious. So, uh, so yeah. I guess uh, what I also wanted to get from everyone was their kind of suggestions. If someone came to you and said, I want to read Grimdark, what would you suggest to them? Uh, I think I think I'm gonna go first because I said it earlier. Uh, manif- manifest delusions uh, and Prince of Nothing. You're going right. You're going. Yeah, yeah. I'm going all the way. Like, <laughs> let's go hard. Not even being subtle. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> I, I cannot possibly answer that question. I haven't read enough. So, whatever George says, I stand behind him. <laughs> Sort of hiding. That's good. That's good. That's fine. Yeah. Um, I would say uh, Abercrombie first one. Mm. See, I, I yeah. would say if you're suggesting um, Grimdark for people as like an introduction to the genre, um, people will fall into one of two camps: either they'll fall into the Abercrombie camp, or they'll fall into the Mark Lawrence Prince of Thorns camp. And for me, those are the two kind of intro books that I think. Gives people a good idea of the not, genre. Not bad, but it could have been a plug for you. I mean, my books. You should have said my books. <laughs> it's so grim and so dark. <laughs> so it was right there. <laughs> I know, I'm terrible. This is, see, I'm terrible at marketing. I don't know what people are talking about. <laughs> Steve? Uh, I haven't run into Mark Lawrence, actually. Th- that's something we can talk about. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of forgot about it. I guess I guess it qualifies. Yeah, it's yeah, it's funny. Prince of Thorns is almost what I would yeah. call 
uh, I have all his books YA, in hardcover. Yeah, haven't read a single it, one. <laughs> yeah. It's like, <laughs> I'll buy it. <laughs> I always confuse them. Prince of Nothing, Prince of Thorns. Like, I, I, yeah. I, you know, the titles don't help. Packer or Lawrence. <laughs> yeah. Not like that. Uh, being intellectually challenged like me doesn't help either. Um, but um, <laughs> so again, another trilogy. Who knows? What what would you recommend first, Joshua? Prince of Thorns or Prince of Nothing? That that that's easy. Prince of Nothing because that's the one I read. <laughs> uh, I okay. own the other one. I'll tell I you what though. It. There was a time. <laughs> Uh, before so six years ago, before I left the UK, where Prince of Thorns was in every, you know, high street bookstore, W. H. Smith, um, a- anywhere you went that sold books, Prince of Thorns was there on the shelves, whereas you wouldn't necessarily find any of the grim dark stuff. So mm. there must be something to it, maybe. Yeah, I bought them because they were cheap. Ever the discerning reader, I, I I have the I did the same for Empires of Dust. I, I think I oh. paid uh, three pounds per book. I did the same for War for the Rose Thorn. <laughs> I mean, hmm. if I can find it cheap, I will buy it. Yes. <laughs> And I like to have a library, like look around and go like, oh, I'm going to read this today. I mean, who doesn't? No, no, nobody. They keep me warm at night. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I think if it's someone who isn't too, like, a, big, like a, a new reader who hasn't read a whole lot, I think I'd probably recommend First Law to them just because it's accessible. It's easy to get into. Yeah, they can dip their toes in, but oh, Prince of Prince of Nothing might be kind of tough. I, I think <laughs> depends on it uh, depends on the reader. I think it's uh, certain people um, just won't won't um, won't get into it. Even though I, I like it, I think it's it's very kid or mess. But yeah. I, th- I think just to spite yeah. Joshua, but best served cold because he's a standalone. And for me, it was the better out of all the standalones. And you don't have to invest the time that it takes to read a trilogy. I think Best of Cold might be a... Easiest one to get into of the standalones. Yeah. It's the easiest one. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I think uh, for me, and I've read very little, but if I was to recommend, you know, it's just a book. So... Yeah. What, what are the other two? Red Country and... Hmm. Heroes. 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 Those two are more tied to the the first trilogy, as in well-established characters. There's also in in Best Serve Cold, but it's the story in itself is is easier to follow. Like you can read that book and never read another Abercrombie book ever again. Hmm. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. We, as in in typical fashion we always get sidetracked a little bit but we think we did pretty good i mean we got sidetracked for about if people don't minutes, know what grim dark is by now we waste their time again well <laughs> if they if they do have their own definition it's probably different than all of ours so <laughs> that's wrong <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> that's why it's fun. To, that's why it's, it's fun to talk about because there's just no right or wrong answer. Everyone has their own definition. Yeah. Yeah, the same for for dark fantasy or what is considered, you know, something that is romantic or, you know, if, if everyone is going to pick those elements or those characters, the their favorite tropes uh, that, yeah, what is dark for me is not the same. That's all right. Well, cool. Yeah, we're, it's the time flew by as usual. It's almost two hours, but... Um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad we finally got a chance to talk. A sad part, Mitha didn't visit because I know she's wanted to, to talk room dark with us, but yeah. maybe next time. <laughs> but uh, in the meantime, uh, Holly, where can people find you and your books? Be sure and plug your, <laughs> your books. <laughs> okay, I will do some actual marketing now. Um, so if you want to find me, best places on Twitter, which is where I spend far too much of my time. It's at Holly Tinsley and the Ian Tinsley is a three. Uh, my books are on Amazon. Um, so there's the Vanguard Chronicles, which is We Men of Ash and Shadow, uh, The Hand That Casts the Bone. The third book is currently in the works, and I have a book coming out on the 22nd of March this year called The Hallows, which is a standalone in a completely new world, which I am very excited to get out. It's on my Kindle waiting, waiting to be read. And uh, Joshua. Well, the nerds, the nerds. <laughs> <laughs> no, fine. And uh, Joshua. Yeah, uh, you can find me on, on the page chewing forums. Ta da! <laughs> yeah. And Susanna, tell us about you and your books. <laughs> uh, so, my books, uh, my series is then Timelessness, and they can be found everywhere Amazon, Kobo, Apple. Available on ebook, paperback, and audiobook, which I recommend. It's my favorite version. The first book is called Weird Gods. You can't miss it. And I have a new book in the same universe coming out in March uh, called Oublier. It's a standalone novel. And uh, yeah, go check it out. It's now available for pre order so on I have Amazon. I'll buy pre order ready for that too. I'm ready to go. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jose. Uh, awesome. Yeah, I, best place to find me is on my YouTube channel, uh, Jose's Amazing Worlds, and also the page Twin Forums. Awesome. Well, thank all of you for hanging out with me today. It's been it's been fun. I'll do it again soon. I love this <laughs> yeah. Friday evenings. Thanks for thank making for it. So, I hope <laughs> everyone has a great weekend, and we'll we'll talk very soon. Thank you. Bye.